Hey everybody, Adam Stott here. Thanks for checking out my podcast, Business Growth Secrets. You're absolutely in the right place. This podcast is going to reveal to you all of the secrets that you've been looking to discover that can allow you to cure your cash flow problems, attain more clients, bring in more leads for your business, and create systems and processes that give you the growth that you want. You are going to discover the business growth secrets you have been looking for that I've used to sell over 50 million pounds worth of products and services on social media and help clients everywhere to grow their businesses on the mark. So let's get started on the Business Growth Secrets podcast. Can we give Peter a big, big welcome to the stage, everybody? So, thank you ever so much for being here. You know, I think it's amazing to have uh, someone of your your calibre coming in and and talking uh, to everyone. We have businesses of all sizes in the room. I did love the book. You know, got a long, long way through that (laughs) as well. And I said to you, I love the the wheel at the back. And he said, oh, I might might draw that out as well. We've got lots of wheels today. This is a good one. It was awesome. So, welcome. What I want to do is start off and go back to the beginning, if we can, of your career. You've had a really successful career, created some amazing things over the course of your career. If we went all the way back to the beginning, you know, where did you start? How did we go on this journey? And tell the audience a little bit about that. I was a Becky Four-Eyed kid from Leeds <laughs> and um, looking in car showroom windows, thinking I should have one of those one day. And then I kind of went to Leeds Poly and joined Unilever which my parents were delighted about, a blue chip company. And I'm thinking, well, this is quite dull. And they taught me how to sell. But if you, if you work for Unilever, you don't need to sell. You just walk in and, you know, the Asda manager says they had 15 pallets. And then I joined Seagram's at the time, the largest wines and spirits business in the world. So um, I was very popular because I had a garage with all the champagne and stuff in there. So I used to go out on Friday nights and people used to come back to my garage. (laughs) And then, as ever, there's a life-changing moment, isn't there, for everyone. And I applied for this job. I lived in Ilkley, and this job was in Teesside. And it was a cable business. So I thought, well, is it cables? Like, you know, it's quite dull. But it it was something to do with television, right? So I tried to find out something about the business and couldn't. So... I went for this interview. I knew nothing about cable, but I'm a FMCG, fast mover consumer goods, quality, skilled salesperson. I'm, I'm a pedigree, aren't I, really? But I know nothing about <laughs> cable. And for some weird reason, I got the job. And then I'd been for another job with, with Levi's. And I thought, well, that's quite cool. So I might take the Levi's job. And then somebody that, that I spoke to quite often, I said, I think I'll do Levi's. And she said, yeah, yeah, do that. That's easy. Mm. I thought, what do you mean it's easy? She said, it's easier than getting up to Teesside every day, 75 miles, in a business you know nothing about. (laughs) I thought, that's a bit rude. (laughs) So so I took the job. And of course, I knew nothing about cable. And and the business was, so I joined, the, the, the story is, I joined a business that nobody had heard of selling a product that nobody wanted. Now, I think that's 
one of the rarest things you can do. The business I joined that nobody had heard of today is valued at 140 billion and family owned. That's Comcast. And the product that nobody wanted was multi channel television and the internet. And nobody wanted it. And the way the business went to market was it didn't do advertising and things. It dug the streets up. I don't know if anybody remembers this. So to get the cable, to get broadband, it's underground. So we dig the streets up. It was the largest civil construction since the underground. And 40-odd cable businesses went off and, and told investors that they'd get everyone buying television and telephone and the internet. And the average penetration was about 11%. So people were knocking on doors saying, would you, like to, would you like to watch television more than you are? And they go, not really. We've got four channels. <laughs> and then, um, would you like, what about the internet? Turns out they did though, right? <laughs> What's the internet? And then another defining moment, the Comcast guys came over from the States and we had one of these drunken dinners in a hotel. And about midnight, the, the lead guy from Comcast got, got me in a corner like this naive young lamb and said, um, what would it take to get 50% of people buying the product? And I went, I don't know, half price line rental to BT. And I went, why? I said, well, if we did that, then the TV's almost free. And he went, okay. So he went back in the room and he, he said, we've, de we've decided what we're doing. And the MD sat there going, how did that happen? And so he said, you got 50% penetration, half price line rental to BT. And he looked at me and he said, and you've got three months. So I thought, well, what does that mean? Is it three months to do it or three months or you're out? So, um, and then the next day, the, the MD said to me, why, why would you do that? Why would you do such a thing? Thought, well, why couldn't we? What's wrong with it? It's a good deal. It's free TV and we're selling te telephone. Everyone's got a telephone. Nobody wants TV. So why are we selling TV? Why don't we sell a telephone? So then the next interesting thing was, I think, well, I'm probably in the shit now. So I used to drive to Ilkley and back every day and play Springsteen mainly. And then I thought, well, I need to do something else. So I started listening to tapes of, of people, like mindset things. So I'm thinking, well, I don't know how we're going to do this. And so I listened to all this clever stuff, Jim Rohn, yeah. Brian Tracy, 75 miles there and back. And I'm, I'm, I listened to um, uh, about paradigms. I'm thinking, oh, it's all about how you think this. This is quite clever. I didn't realize it, it, it's about your mind and you can convince yourself of anything. So then I started to interview people. So there was about three people in the company. So I started doing the interviews and mainly for direct salespeople because to sell any product, you, if you want to take territory, a bit like you can see in Ukraine, you can bomb it all day long, but you can't take it. You've got to send troops in, which is difficult. If you want to, to take territory in households, you've got to send people on the streets. And Sky, probably one of the best marketing companies of all time, used to unload salespeople from the back of a transit to sell Sky in the early days. Otherwise, no, why would anyone want a dish? So 
I started interviewing salespeople, and I thought, so the cable guys know it's 11%. So no cable guys. And the MD kept saying, have you got any cable guys? There's some good guys in Birmingham. I thought, well, they're not really, are they? Because they think 11. And I can't, I'm not going to survive at 11. So I interviewed salespeople, uh, Kirby vacuum cleaner people, double glazing. Um, I gave one guy a job, a magician, because he, he did this disappearing handkerchief. He said, give me... <laughs> he said, give me the trick. Show me the trick, he can have a job. And it was amazing. You could sit here and it, poof, gone. Um, and the question I asked them was, okay, you'll get 200 doors to knock. Half price BT line rental. Nearly, nearly um, free TV. I'll give you 200 doors. How many will you sell? And anyone who said less than 100 didn't get a job. So day one, 50 salespeople came in for training like this. They all thought the same thing. They're all going, well, what's the bonus at 60? What do you get for 80? Mm. Amazing. And, and nobody knew any different. And um, so I put some great boards on the wall, like laminate boards, 50% club, even before we sold anything. And the, the other parts of the business are going, well, you're not going to do that, are you? And so day one, the sales guys, they went out with order forms in this pocket, and they came back with them in this pocket. And then the MD, the first night I rang, I had to ring him every night. Most times he was, out, he was drunk somewhere, so he'd tell me the next day, why didn't you ring me? So I did ring you. Um, and he said, how do you get on? Yeah, 53. And the business got 60% penetration. And the other thing that, that going back to this, the, um, before we started, the, the guy that took me in the room, he then came to me and he said, look, let me give you a tip. He said, don't sell television. Don't sell the product. Sell getting in the home. You've got to be like the camel. I went, what camel? <laughs> <laughs> I need the camel. And he said, uh, it's a story of the camel in the tent, which is a Persian fable. And it's a story about a guy that... Some I actually love that. I love some, the context. Some nodding heads. And the purpose of this is, I want to talk to you about Dan and crabs soon. Um... But the purpose is to tell stories that, that people can never, ever forget. You know, I, I saw something the other day, that the shortest story in the world is the last man on earth was sat in a room, somebody knocked on the door. <laughs> That's a story, isn't it? So the camel in the tent, the guy's walking across the desert with his camel, get to the night, pitches his tent, Gets in it, camel goes, well, I'm coming in. He goes, no, 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 you're not. You're the camel. I'm the master. You stay outside. A little bit later, the camel comes back. He goes, it's freezing out here. If I could just put the tips of my ears in, it'd be amazing. He goes, well, all right then, just the tips. Comes back again. It's just the extremities. It's, I mean, we've got a long walk. If I get flu tomorrow, we're going nowhere. If I could just put the nose in. He goes, yes, all right, your nose. That's it. They comes back with his head. He goes, look, this can't carry on. You're not coming in the tent, just your head. And then the next day, uh, some other travelers walk across and the, the 
guys outside the tent shivering and the camels inside. And the principle is that if you want something, you don't always have to go, I'm coming in the tent. Like, we knocked on doors and said, we want to sell you cable. And people went, we don't want it. They used to have stickers on windows going, no canvases. One morning, we, we, legally, we had to, to, to have a cabinet, these great big cabinets. We had to have a certain amount of people on the system. And we couldn't get this particular area on the system. So one Saturday morning, I got all the trucks, like five trucks with the orange lights and the barriers, high-vis jackets, nine o'clock in the morning, started putting the barriers up, curtains go, people started coming out. Mr. Neighbourhood Watch comes out, <laughs> goes, what are you doing? Comcast, you're causing enough trouble, what are you doing? I went, we know that, we're very sorry. So nobody, he said, we don't want it. I went, I know. So we're going to take it back. He went, what, to take what back? I would take the cable back. <laughs> because, it's, because, because it's ours. And he went, well, how are you going to take the cable back? I went, well, the same way we put it in. <laughs> well, you're, going to, you're not digging the streets. Are we? And he went, hang on, don't be hasty. <laughs> so we talked about it, and we gave them free cable to cable calls. And the cable stayed where it was. So... Um, so that was my first principle, really. And, and then um, in another part of the business, so eventually all the cable businesses that got 11%, they, they kind of consolidated. And, and then Comcast thought, you know, we just want to be out of here in the States. This is too much. Because in the US, cable's overhead, whereas it's expensive here. And so NTL, two amazing guys, George Blumenthal, the chairman, Barclay Knapp, the CEO, they bought all the cable businesses up. So I went along with them on a great journey of MD of a business unit, then sales and marketing again. Um, and so then we'd gone from no customers to 3 million, um, which was amazing, uh, amazing journey. Um, and, and then I had all the call centers for my sins and 1.5 million people a month rang because the set-top box didn't work on a hot day. Um, the internet went down. And then one day, um, the, the daily interest on the debt, which is another lesson, was $3.5 million every single day, the interest. And their view was, get loads of debt, keep the equity. And as a tip for people, you know, if somebody, don't get too precious about equity, because it's about how big the pie is. You know, I always want to keep 51%, not of Facebook. Who cares? And they didn't want to do that, sadly. So then we went into Chapter 11, and then we had no set-top boxes. So now we don't have TV anymore. And we had um, one meg broadband at 50 quid. Well, uh, one gig is 25 now. So who's going to buy one meg? But there was 128k sat on a shelf. I thought, well, do you know what? We can still do the 128K, here's your broadband, half price line rental, same deal. And we sold a million in a year. Yeah. Do you know what's so phenomenal is you go through this story and we sort of break down the, you know, success and into, a, into actual physical increments. And if you look at it, it was the offer. Getting that offer 
creating an offer that people would feel stupid saying no to is fundamental. If you get an offer in front of someone, they'll go, well, logically, I'd be mad to say no. Then you will be selling a ton more and you scale. Yeah. Now, because you had the margin in the offer, you were able to do it, right? Yeah. And also then looking at the offer and being creative, they didn't know they needed the TV, but they knew that they needed the phones. And that's how a lot of people have, have, have grown massively and been able to move that. So it sounds like a great offer. And then the level of conversations, how do we go and speak to more people? Yeah. And then I, I love the persistence story. And the book, I really enjoyed you breaking that down. How you, uh, you know, the, the first meeting, going out in the meeting the person. So is it, it's not a true story, is it? It's not the, the book or is it para, paraphrased? So, so it's a story about, because th this also comes to what you're doing here today, which is you, you're getting mentored. And I don't think anyone does anything without some form yeah. of mentoring. And so I, I wrote a story about a young guy yeah. starting out in life who by chance meets a mentor who's like a 78-year-old American. Because I, 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 I've had that throughout my life. You know, where you, not somebody who says you, what you should do is, but somebody who goes, have you thought about? And so he comes across situations, doesn't he, where um, he says, um, so I can't get the team to, and then I wanted to have stories that are memorable. So the, so the mentor-student relationship is really key, which is, you know, I think everyone here deserves credit for taking that decision because it's the best thing you can do is be in a, a, in a room with like-minded people talking to somebody who's done it. I, I was going about Everest, and I've just gone back into a broadband business. Same thing's happening again now because it's building over, over fiber to the home. So there's another 40 companies. And I, I go, well, if you're going up Everest, take a Sherpa, just in case. And Adam is a Sherpa. So you're in safe hands because base camp two, the air gets thinner. So anyway, so, so then I wanted stories that you can never forget ever. If you hear one, you can never forget it. So just going back to Dan, your situation is, so the, 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 men, the, so the young guy says, I've got that problem. You know, every time I want to do something, I want to expand, or I want to do this, or, you know, buy something, or I, I get dragged back. And the mentor goes, well, of course you do, because that's all about the crabs. <laughs> now, who thought we'd talk about this today? <laughs> and he, said, he tells him a story, which you will never forget. And I told Ben that earlier. And he says, so a fisherman, when he goes fishing to catch crabs, he's got his pot and he catches one and he puts it in the pot and puts the lid on. And then when he catches another one, puts it in the pot, takes the lid off, catches another one. No need for a lid. Because what they do is, as they try and climb out, they pull each other back. And that's sometimes how life is. People go, no, 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 Dan, don't be going off to... Stansted and thinking you're big. And don't you be thinking you can be successful from where you're from. And as soon as you know, I've got two, two daughters, and any sign that somebody says, one's um, really wants to be on the stage, go to drama school in London. 
And, and she gets, well, my friends say, you know, that's a waste of schooling because they're going to work for um, KPMG. Good luck. I said, Elise, it's just crabs. Nobody wants you being on stage. Why would they? <laughs> they can't sing, they can't tap dance like that. It's normal. And as soon as you understand that, you get to deal with it. But you still got to get out of the pot. So eat the other crabs and climb out. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, yeah. and that is, you know, you know, fundamentally. So we could let's go a little bit for why do you feel, and I know my perspective on it, but it'd be good to hear your perspective. Why do you feel the crabs act like that? I think it's inbuilt in people. Um, going back to the the fear thing, um, I think it's the first reaction, isn't it? Is is you know what if, and. People around you like you to stay as you are. And, and so as soon as you accept it's normal, um, then... So can... many people in this room are actually going through that. You know, as I look around, yes. and I see it, and a lot of people. How many of you have experienced something like that? Raise your hands. You know, yeah. So it's really good for... It's yeah. interesting. I know yeah. you're writing a book, Adam. But the, the, book, the book thing's interesting. And it's the same scenario. And, and the, once you've learned that, you can observe it from an outsider. So I was told, because I tell stories all the time, everyone told me, you need to write a book. Why don't you write a book? It'd be a great book. So I thought, <laughs> okay, I will. So I wrote it on my iPad doing this, because traveling is the best time. So I wrote it. Um, and so then, then the scenario you'll go through is, people then say, how's your book? I go, yeah, yeah, it's okay. Have you finished it yet? No, not yet. Okay. And then again, how's your book? Yeah, nearly done. Oh, you finished it? Nearly. Okay. When you finished your book? Okay. Have you got a publisher? <laughs> not, not yet, but looking for one. Oh, all right then. And then, and then they go, because nobody's buying books anymore. <laughs> didn't you tell me to write a book <laughs> so then this is the end so then when you've got a publisher the next question is how many of you sold imagine asking that of, of anything in life how many of you sold and it's it, it, it is it's just, it, just how, it is how it is Nobody wants you to, in, in the cable business, going back to that, I used to walk along corridors in head office in Hook. People would just pass me by and go, how's sales? <laughs> Very good. <laughs> Very good. Now, there's a really interesting thing in, in cable and Sky, and, and you've seen it in Netflix where subscribers suddenly dip, share price tanks churn. You start losing customers, it's deadly. So, how's sales? Yeah, good. How's churn? Best in the industry. Okay. How's bad debt? <laughs> They're not paying, are they? Yeah. On plan. Nowhere else to go. You sold it. They're keeping it. They're paying for it. Stop asking questions. Mm -hmm. It's good to deal with. And then another great one that I love about limiting beliefs, because I'm absolutely convinced the people in this room who get what they want will be the way they think 100%. in the right way. There was a great thing. Roger Federer was, um, was, was knocking up 
And one of the commentators, and I look out for these things, he said, um, did you know that Roger Federer's fitness coach has had to sign an NDA? He's not allowed to write a book until Federer retires. And the other guy said, he can write as many books as he likes. It's got nothing to do with how he trains. We need to read a book about what's in his head. Yeah. And I thought, that's that. it's not his forehand, his backhand. It's all much of a muchness. They're amazing, but they're not 20-odd grand slams. And then on limiting beliefs, which is a really in interesting one as well, uh, the, the guy's going, I can't get them to get beyond the number and, you know, the, the sort of suppressed, we can't get the numbers higher. And he takes a jar of fleas into the boardroom, the mentor, and the sort of sat there. And fleas jump. I thought they flew, but they jump. And, <laughs> the, and they're hitting the lid. And then he takes the lid off as they're talking. And then they realize that the fleas are still jumping to the same level. Because the fleas have been programmed that if they jump too high, they'll hit their head. So they just jump to the right level. And that's about life, targets. Um, the four-minute mile was something that could never be done. Broken three times in the next six months. Another three times within a year. And again, as an analogy... I just, I think it, if you can get things and, and it, you know, you can go, well, we don't want to be like the fleas, do we? Because you can actually jump out. It's, it's just really powerful. And to the point about how do you manage 12,000 people, you, you don't, you manage nine yeah. who manage nine, who manage nine. But you've got to get the nine to get the story right for the next nine, haven't you? <laughs> Otherwise, by the time you get to 12,000... It's completely different to what you said. <laughs> and I always found that if you tell a story, it, it's better than 10 bullet points, really. Yeah, I love that. I love that philosophy of the storytelling. And on the beliefs, because a lot of people, again, you, you're touching on points that people in the room 100% are experiencing. Um, the beliefs is really important. Why do you feel that some people cap themselves? And when you were building that initial business... Why did you have the belief to put the on the board? And what was your thinking process? Because I would say, look, putting that on the board, I always ask people, and this is one thing I tell people to do, is make it real. You know, make it real and make it visual. So the board's going up on the board, the 50% yeah. conversion rate, we know what we're aiming <clears> for. So visually, we know what mm. we can do. It's interesting. When I have my sales boards, what would happen is if the board, you could fit 20 sales on, they would only sell up to 20. It's yes. only when you doubled the size of the board that they sold 40. <laughs> right? It's mad, isn't it? Yeah. But the actual visual representation of how far they can go is what got them to go further. Yeah. So always remember, I had lots of salespeople and the salespeople would be selling 10 each and the board went to 20. And then when I got this superstar salesman in, his name is Chris, they were all selling 10. In his first month, he come in and banged 40 out. And he went, I'm going to need four columns, Ad. That's what he said on the first day. So we started using the columns. In the end, we just put another board underneath it. But as soon as we put the other board underneath it, and he was going to 40, and everybody else, they were no longer at 10 anymore because they had the belief that they could go more. Yes. All right, which is really interesting. So how do you make it real? I think you referenced it in a visual way. How do you, how do you break through the beliefs? And what would you do if you were these people um, that are building these businesses that are growing, whether at 100 grand, half a million? How would you get them to push further? 
So I think, so we had a, we, we had a, Napoleon Hill in Think and Grow Rich, which I think it's an amazing book, um, talks about definiteness of purpose. And I think that's the start point. Yeah. So you've got to set out with what, what do you actually want? And definiteness of purpose isn't um, things like, well, I want to get fit in the new year. Well, how do you measure fit? What does that really mean? Is that your version or what is it? Whereas I'm going to do a marathon by July the 3rd in 2 minutes 32. Sounds like a bit of a purpose. So I, I always start with, so, so when I go into to businesses, I go, well, I, my first thing is, what, what do you want? And they always go, well, we'll want to make it better. What does that mean? What does that look like? Well, more profit. Well, how much profit? Well, and then you eventually get to a number and, and by the way, we want to sell it in two years because we want to get out. Okay, we've got a chance now. Mm. So I think I've got a... I um, thought I'd have a little visual. So I've got a couple of boxes. Again, things that, that hopefully you can recall. So if you do um, purpose here in a box, so... Um, you know, everybody sat here, is to Adam's point about the elevator pitch, can you do it in 30 seconds? That becomes the purpose, rather than I want to, I want to run my own business. Isn't a purpose, really. Um, and then that drives you to the plan. So if we go back to my thing, my purpose was 50%. Very clear, can be measured. There's no ambiguity. The, the plan then is, I've got to get people who believe in it. So I've got to get great marketing, great salespeople. We sponsored everything that moved, including Middlesbrough Football Club. Um, do you, do you mean, there's a plan that says, we are going to swamp this place. You can't move without knowing who we are. Why is that important? Well, because it is so important, uh, but I think they've got to, they, this is what I want them to understand. Right. You've got to swamp the market, right? So, You've got to be out there. So I've got, so that, so I've got three more boxes to, to put that one into. And then the next one is action, <clears throat> which says we're going to contact every home um, and we're going to leave no stone unturned as opposed to how many did you contact? Well, we're not sure. So if you, most people, they, they don't have a purpose. There's no plan. There's a kind of, let's see how it goes. And then the action is, I was busy last Thursday, but I'll get round to it. And if you, if you just focus on those three boxes, so being in this room, you've already made a decision. So you need to figure out a purpose if you haven't got one. The plan is you've been given one in the room, which is great, because you don't have to think of one. But the action is, you've got to do, you've got to do the work. <laughs> That's it. Otherwise, <laughs> it's just a plan. Yeah. So three boxes, and you know, if you can today, try and figure out how you score. The next three are product. Now, there's a couple of things about the product. First of all, People get too carried away about the product. Um, I, think, I think Sarah said there's no such as a, as a unique one. You know, 
sometimes people say, I've got this and, and there's no phone on earth will do this. Well, in China, there will be in a month. <laughs> um, <laughs> so the next one is brand. So you've got a product and then you need to say, well, who are you? So what do you stand for? Um, and you're in this room because Adam's got a great product and a great brand. So you trust him. Yeah. And the final one is distribution. You've got to get to as many people as you can. Back to the pancakes. It's about distribution. You've got a great product. Sounds unique. In, in Cheltenham, there's loads of cash. So you can become the brand for the, the, the school mums picking the kids up. It's about distribution. We talked about affiliates. That's distribution. And most people spend most of the time here boring you to death about their products. And then they'll talk about themselves. And then maybe they'll think who's going who's gonna to buy it. And it's the other way around. The, 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 there are some terrible books that have sold 50 million copies. Distribution. And there's some amazing books that are still on somebody's shelf. So those are my sort of six boxes to try and keep me straight in how do you figure out all this stuff and... You know, it's, it's really cool and I've, I've, that to have a frameworks. You know, fundamentally, those frameworks can be, you know, re-engineered, renamed, different name to different yeah. people. But the bottom line is they're the things you've got to do, right? Distribution could be called marketing, right, for example. Yeah. But it's how do you get out to more people and that's the fundamental. How do you go out and get in front of people and get in front of as many people? So give you, so where are you? Like, look at it in the room. Where are you on it? Do you know your purpose? Do you have your plan? Are you taking enough action? Where's your product? How good is your product? How's your brand? And are you distributing? Most people, like you said there, Pete, it's the distribution. Yeah. That's, my, that's the, usually the biggest problem, not speaking to enough people. And why do you think that is? So I know why. I think, why do you think that? It's why they're not speaking to enough people. It's the hardest bit, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's, of course it's, it is. <laughs> it's the hardest bit. <laughs> it yeah. is. Yeah. yeah. How do they make it easier? Focus on that. Because <laughs> <laughs> ultimately, <laughs> because ultimately it, it is the thing. I, look at, into, I interviewed some marketing people a while back, and I said, I'd love to know, I want to know the story about Fever Tree. And they all said the same thing. Oh, what happened was they were going to do a gin. And the bank manager said, there's loads of gins. Do a really high-class tonic. And I went, no, 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 no. No. I want to know how come it's everywhere. Everywhere you go, there's Fever Tree. Aldi, the yeah. corner shop, Harrods. How did they do that? That's the key. Not, maybe it's a great tonic. I don't know. Maybe. The distribution is phenomenal. And, and that's the difference, really. So it, it's the thing that matters. It is. And sometimes um, 
you know, businesses like Spotify and Netflix, they did camel in the tent. Imagine Facebook if they said it's a tenner a month. And now Musk, because he's losing $4 million a day, is going, I think we need to start charging. But what would happen if Twitter was $10 a month from day one? You go, what, to tweet? I don't think so. So there's all these strategies out there that these businesses use. And sometimes you've just got to think, well, for now, I'll, I'll take it. And, you know, if I, maybe I'll give you some, maybe I'll go to some parties and give it free. Maybe. Because maybe they'll tell all the friends. The distribution is massive. And that's why one of the things that we teach is to have a free offer, not give away the whole cake. Yeah. as free, but certainly give something of value to people to free so they can distribute it more. But you know making the distribution easier, if you look at the cable business, the way you made the distribution easier was coming up with a better offer. Yeah. And I think that if you can come up with an amazing offer and really improve your offer at that front end, that will get masses of people in. And when you get masses of people, then obviously that helps the distribution, right? Yeah. The, the other thing that... that um, I got told early on was, don't worry about, there's a thing called ARPU, which is still average revenue per user. Don't worry about that. All the finance people going about ARPU, forget that. Um, and another analogy, this guy, one of the senior guys said to me, look, just get them, put the sheep in the pen, as many as you can, and then we'll shut the gate, and then we'll fatten them up. <laughs> and I love that. <laughs> Which is acquire the customers and resell I, them. I love yeah. that. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Whereas some businesses on the on the pen gate, they're going, Well, you're not coming in. I'm not sure about you. But mm. sometimes, like you say, just just get a load of customers. Then you can figure it out, can't you? <laughs> figure it out. No, absolutely brilliant. Look, I've um in the book there was a there was a, quite a few stories in there it was really really interesting you should all definitely go and read that because it can simplify some things in your mind 100 percent. you know the camels certainly stood out uh the crabs what was one of the other ones that you you know your favorite in there just to so, share one more before we uh wrap up the session i think it'd be great and then we'll do a couple of questions actually as well yeah this is a this is one because i think it's so typical um and the other day, I, I did a seminar and, and online, and, and this um, and two of the girls that, that, that ran it were in South Africa, and they said, "Oh, have you ever been?" I went, "No," and they said, "Oh, it's a great place to come." However, at the moment, we've got this four-hour power cut because the the electricity they're they're having to balance the load. And I went, "Oh, are they?" And she said, "Yes," and I said, "How do you know?" And she said, well, you haven't been to South Africa, have you? I went, no. But how, how do you know? I said, I might turn up and just say, don't balance the load. And maybe the power will stay on. And I could see her thinking, he's never been to South Africa. Um, so one of the stories in line with that is, and this is a real experiment um, by a guy called Harlow. And he, he put five monkeys in a cage with a ladder and a banana hung. So he puts them in, monkeys go crazy, climb the ladder, one gets the banana, pulls the banana, buckets of ice water fall on the monkeys. So then 
leaves them a while and um, takes one monkey out, puts another monkey in. So uh, shuts the cage. So the new monkey goes up for the banana um, with another one and they pull the banana, ice water everywhere again. So then takes out another monkey. So now we've got, puts another one in. Now we've got two monkeys, right, the new monkeys. And then uh, same thing again. The, new, the latest monkey that's just gone in tries to climb the ladder. The other monkeys stop it, beat it up, right? <laughs> so, so then, again, takes one of the original monkeys out. Now you've got three new monkeys. The latest one comes in, tries to go up the ladder, gets beaten up. And eventually, he's put five monkeys in the cage, none of whom have seen the iced water. None of them go after the banana. And it's just there. And nobody touches it. And that's conditioning. Because they don't know what will happen. They've just been conditioned that if you do that... So they could starve to death. And I think, again, going back to yeah. how we can be... Um, it's very easy to be in the cage. I mean, so many times in business, people say to me, oh, no, you can't do it that way. I go, why not? Well, because we, we, we haven't, we, um, we, never, we never have. Well, maybe we should. Um, and I think another analogy of, you know, particularly if you go into something new and people tell you things, maybe, maybe they've never seen the iced water. 100%. An entrepreneur makes their own rules. There's only yes. one rule. There are no rules. Yep. I learned that from Best of the Best. You see yep. the film? No. <laughs> no, no, that's like Great martial arts film. They say there's only one rule. There are no rules. Yeah. And that's the reality. You make the rules. You make things happen. You try things. If people in your industry are not doing it, that's why you should be doing it. Because that's what's going to get your market share. That's what's going to help you grow. You've got to be the monkey that reaches up, gets a banana and hangs on the top while everyone else gets covered in ice water. Right? Yeah. That's the mentality. Okay, so we're going to open up for a couple of questions from Pete. Give him a big round of applause. Amazing. So who would like to ask a question? We've got a few time for... So we've got Andy at the back. Have you got a mic over there? Yeah? Great. Uh, hi, mate. Thanks for that. That was great. Um, the raised market penetration. Um, I'm trying to become known in the local area. Uh, we do home improvements, extensions specifically. Um, that's a big ticket item. I was wondering if you have any tips for market penetration... Good question. Uh, for that kind of item. So you, so you want to attain a penetration? Uh, yeah, so... <laughs> yeah, so I, I want to We'll keep his private life out of it. <laughs> I, I, so I want to become known in a local area and, and get everyone known. So instead, I can't canvas kind of like you did. Yeah. Uh, or I could. Well, you I, can. Yeah, I could. Yeah, so can. I was just wondering what you think most most effective strategy for that kind of item. It's a great I, question. I, I would focus on how many jobs do you want to do? Um, so you fit yeah. boilers, yeah? No, no, uh, extensions, home extensions. Okay, yeah, yeah. so how many do you want to do? Uh, ideally 20 a year to start with, yeah. Because you'll, you'll, your penetration would be of total homes that you could get to, yeah. right, which is not reasonable. Right. So you could make a lot of money at 0.5 penetration. Yeah. So I wouldn't worry about penetration. Okay. I would get to, back to purpose, 
how many jobs yeah. do you want to do? Like you've got a quota. Yeah. So how many crews, how many jobs per day, per week, per month in three months time, six months time? I think that's the goal. Number of jobs, not penetration. Okay. So in terms of you can measure it. Yeah, yeah. yeah you can yeah. measure it. In terms of advertising to the local market, then what do you think would be most impactful for there, given your experience? Um what what kind of customer is it? Um homeowners, you know, looking to expand homes, they got equity in the houses, yeah. that, that kind of thing, yeah. Well, the best time to advertise is when you're installing. Yeah. So you're in a street with your logo, with your van, which is logoed, I presume. Yeah. And I would then go up and down the street. Canvas the street, yeah. Telling everyone how amazing it is, how Mrs. Biggins is so happy with the shower. <laughs> and then I would I would get Mrs. Biggins um, with recommend a neighbour and and use that. The best the best way for you to get out there is people thinking you've done a great job. Right. If you drop loads of leaflets and they go, well, who are these guys? Yeah. But if you're installing, somebody's, somebody's bought it, haven't they? Yeah. And you've only got 20 jobs, Andy, that you mm. want to do. One of the things estate agents do very well is you could lend the concept from estate agency. So you do exactly what Pete's just told you. But then also you do a postcard drop locally saying they're going to sing your brand, they're going to sing your business, and you get postcard drop out saying we're working on a house around the corner doing a home transformation. Right. Whilst we're here, we're available to have a conversation, you know, for for free, where we can show you how you can increase the value of your house by twenty five percent. And they're like, well, they're in the local area. They've seen your brand. They've seen your van. And you go around, you go and hand a po hand them out as well, you know. Yeah. So combining yeah. the strategy is really good. Yeah. Great. All right. Thank you very much. Perfect. Cheers. Give me a big round of applause. Okay. Another question. We've got time for a few questions. So who else would like to ask a question? Raise your hand, jump in. Any more? Yeah, over here, Beverly or Robin? Yeah. Yeah, we go Robin first. Robin's there. Yeah, sorry. Thank you. Um, my question is around branding and a bit of distribution. So I recruit for contact center space UK wide. And what tips would you give to brand myself as the best known recruiter? Because it is quite a disruptive market. Yeah. Um, and it's quite a ruthless market. So having that brand in contact centers, what tips would you? Yeah, well, first of all, you've got to get to them, haven't you? Which is probably LinkedIn. So customer service directors. And you said best known. And it's back to the penetration thing. You don't need to be the best known. You just need to be the best in front of them, don't you? So if you get to them daily, and, and there's so many of them, and... Again, I would say, get in the door. Um, it, you know, maybe cut the rates, whatever. Just, just put yourself out there as... I think with recruitment, and it's a high turnover, isn't it, contact centres, is being the best to deal with. I just introduced a guy to uh, a business I'm in and for a customer service director, and um, somebody who used to work for me recommended him. And I thought, you know, I don't want them thinking I'm just bringing my mates in. And he sent six people, and, and the MD said, I could have taken all six. That, that's it, isn't it? Great to deal with. Um, you've got good people. 
and they, they want to ring you up on a Friday and go, you never guess what, 10 have left. Can you help us? Because that's it, isn't it? It's, that's a service you're offering. Yeah, because mainly we do um, large recruitment as well. So yeah. rather than, I suppose, the director level, we're filling in the customer service on bulk. So like 50 a week. Six, yeah. We could get asked requests for 60 in three days. That's amazing. Um, so it's trying to, I suppose, get more of those type of clients, larger clients, rather than smaller ones at higher value yeah. for us. Yeah. But same thing, isn't it? So whether it's a customer service manager... Somebody has to say yes. You have to get on the books, don't you, yeah. to get paid. Um, and the other one is show what you've done already. I mean, I'm, it's impressed, impressive to me that you say we do 60 at one go. I'm thinking, buy me. Yeah, that is, we have had some of them. Three days, you have to find Yeah, but do you shout about that? Probably not enough. There you go. That's a really yeah. good point. Yeah. Yeah, because we I know placed. Yeah, we just placed 60 people in three days. Yeah, Should customer be some service issue. is so key because if you don't have those 60 people, that abandonment rate goes through the roof. Yeah. So you are a lifeline and you need to talk about that. Thank you. Some really good tips there. Big round of applause. Okay, uh, probably got time for one or two more. Any other last questions? Want to get some advice on any aspect of that? What about someone on purpose? Who's unsure of purpose? I'd like to, yeah, okay. So we go at the front, Nick. Question on purpose. I'm just a bit unsure on exactly what purpose is. So just a little bit more on that. So, it, it, so it's a, it's, it's a, the phrase is, it's a definiteness of purpose. So it's absolutely, there's no ambiguity in what it is. And, and the comparison I use is between getting fit and having a time and a date to do the marathon. Okay. So it, it is 20 seconds. Yeah. Specific, um, measurable. Okay. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> a, bit, a bit like going back there. Penetration would be, God knows, you know, first of all, do you know how many homes? Um, let's get the consensus. Uh, five more being built. Forget all that. How many jobs do you want to do a day? Yeah. Clear, isn't it? 20, whatever it was. And then you can go so much further once you know those specific measurable numbers because it can be, hey, if I want 20 jobs, all right, and currently there are 1,800 people in planning around that area, yep. right? now I can say, well, how many of those 1,800 do I need to win? in order to get 20 deals. Yeah. And now we can go much more specific and measurable and go out there and make those things happen, yeah? Yeah, to create exactly. the results. Yeah. Absolutely work numbers back. Well, can we give Peter a massive, massive round of applause? Hi, hey everybody. Adam here, and I hope you loved today's episode. Hope you thought it was fabulous. And if you did, I'd like to ask you a small favour. Could you jump over and go and give the podcast a review? Of course, I'll be super grateful if that is a five-star review. We're putting our all into this podcast for you, delivering you the content, giving you the secrets. And if you've enjoyed it, please go and give us a review and talk about what your favourite episode is, perhaps. Every single month, I select someone from that review list to come to one of my exclusive Academy days and have lunch with me on the day, meeting hundreds of my clients. So if you want that to be you, then you're going to be in with a shout if you go and give us a review on iTunes. Please, of course, do remember to subscribe so you can get all the up-to-date episodes. 
Peace and love, and I'll see you very, very soon. Thank you.